Good morning to you. It's my privilege to substitute for our pastor this morning. This is my, today is my first time to preach in this particular building. I've been in a service, but to preach here, so I'm most honored for this privilege. <clears throat> I must comment, though, I've been the interim pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dripping Springs, and I've been preaching to about a hundred people a Sunday, and I look at any one of these sections, and that's enough for me. And <laughs> the rest of you are a little bit intimidating, uh, so I think I'm going to concentrate on one of these sections so I don't get too excited here with all these people around me. The story. Paul said, I resolve to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The tagline is important. I preach Christ and Him crucified. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. That's my story. When you look at the Bible, you discover that there are two threads that run all the way through it. Beginning at Genesis, there's a black thread. Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. And generation after generation, that sin was passed down. And that black, black thread runs all the way. That's a part of the story, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. There's another thread there, however. It's the red thread of God's redeeming work. That's the story we want to hear today. It's the story of God's grace and His mercy for sinners like you and me. It's the story of how He processed this business called redemption, made it possible for us to have the kind of understanding we have and the opportunity now under grace rather than under law. I'd like for you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to read in a moment. We'll stand in a moment. We're going to read in a moment, beginning at verse 6 of Hebrews 9, about the two covenants. This passage in Hebrews is sort of a summary of all that God did in doing His redeeming work. And in the first five verses of chapter 9, talks about the first covenant, the Old Testament, and the second covenant, the covenant with Jesus Christ. The old covenant had a, a ritual, a ceremony, repeated and repeated and repeated all the time, daily and then annually, that was required of the Hebrew people to worship and to receive redemption, to receive their sins forgiven. But Christ came as a new covenant. Would you stand, please? And as we read the Word of God, we're going to be reading beginning at verse 6 of chapter 9. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests 
entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration of the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. And here it is. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all, one time for all people by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And then the last phrase of verse 22, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. May God add his rich blessings to the reading of his word. You may be seated. The story is told here of God's effort to bring redemption to sinning humanity. It begins with the old sacrifices, the old rituals. But I want to remind you that all evangelism, and we talk about evangelism as preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, all evangelism begins in the book of Genesis. The story is right here, plainly and clearly outlined. <clears throat> For you remember that God had to clothe Adam and Eve. They disobeyed and discovered that they were naked. And so it is that God killed animals, there's the blood, and covered them, covered their nakedness, covered their sins, so that they could be acceptable to God. You know the story of Abraham. Abraham was told by God, take your son, go to the mountain, kill him and sacrifice him. A horrible, terrible thought to us today. Abraham believed God and did as he said. And about the time he raised the knife 
to kill his son, God spoke from heaven. Don't even think about touching that boy. And in the bushes was caught a ram, caught by his horns, and that ram was substituted for Isaac. There's the gospel. Jesus Christ is substituted for you and me so that we do not have to die. Also in the book of Genesis was the ritual of Passover. The children of Israel had been in Israel for 430 years. And God had heard their cry and decided he was going to bring them out. And Moses was commissioned to do that. And while they were there, God said, I want you to kill a lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintels of your homes. And when the Passover angel comes by, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. There's the gospel. Redeemed, saved from death because the blood was on their doorposts. And then God did another thing there in the book of Genesis and we read about. He instituted what is called the daily sacrifice from sin. It was an exercise in which every afternoon at the time of the evening sacrifice, three o'clock to six o'clock in the afternoon, when the priests gathered in the courtyard of the temple, And the people who wanted their sins forgiven came and confessed their sins daily, receiving the forgiveness for their sins. The interesting part about this, there is a picture here again of confession and repentance, but it was done daily. And then annually, the high priest came, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement for the Jewish people. Yom Kippur, the day that the high priest came and cleansed the temple of its accumulated sins that Israel had committed on those days. But ultimately, Jesus came. Oh, but I'm getting ahead of my story there. I want to go back to the laws and the guidance, the ritual the Jews had to take into effect in order for them to receive the forgiveness for their sins. For you see, the Hebrew law required that if you and I were a Jewish sinner in those days, guilty in wanting to ask for forgiveness, there was a specified ritual that we went through. It went something like this. If I were to come as a guilty sinner to the courtyard, I would get a lamb, or if I was very poor, two turtle doves. I'm to bring that lamb to the altar outside the temple. The temple was too small for anybody but the priest in it. So it was always in the courtyard where the offerings took place. Placing the lamb on the sacrificial table with a vessel beneath it, I lay my hands on the animal and confess my sins to God there in the hearing of the priest. The the priest takes a knife kills the lamb, slits its throat, catches the blood, turns his back on the sinner, and goes into the first apartment of the temple. And there with his fingers dripping with blood, he touches the tips of the horns of the altar. In that manner, there was that transfer of guilt. Here I am guilty. 
I confess my sins. My sins, the wages of sin is death, kills the lamb. The lamb's blood with my guilt on it is taken into the temple where God is and there receive forgiveness daily. Hundreds of people came often on those afternoons. The exercise went on and on tediously every day, year in and year out. This is the way you and I would have received forgiveness. But once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest came. He brought with him two goats and a bull. One goat was taken outside the old north gate of Jerusalem, outside the walls, out in the desert, and allowed to die. Jesus died outside the walls of Jerusalem. There's the gospel again preached. There's the story in symbolic form. The other goat and the bull were killed. Blood from these two animals was taken by the high priest, dipped on his fingers, and he went not into the first apartment, but past the second curtain into the Holy of Holies. And there in the Holy of Holies, he made atonement for the sins of Israel committed the year past. They were tedious rules, were they not? It's called the law. And when Jesus Christ died, he did away with all of that. He put aside Adam and Eve's sin. He put aside coming to the temple every day in order to confess sin. He put aside the high priest coming to cleanse the temple and made it possible for us to receive forgiveness. And that's the second part of the story that I want you to hear. It's this part of the story that's called grace. We talk about law and grace. I've just described to you what the law required of Jewish people in those moments as they came for forgiveness. When Jesus died at three o'clock on that Friday morning, it was the blackest Friday. It was not Good Friday. It was the blackest morning that ever dawned on the face of the earth. For it's the time when the innocent Son of God who came to bless was going to bleed. And on the cross, our Savior began the pain of suffering for you, for me, for my sins, for your sins. Immediately, Jesus looked to the heavens and prayed to his heavenly Father, Father, forgive them, that's you and me, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Thoughtfully, he looked down and saw his mother there. Can you imagine what Mary felt? Think of your child being put on a cross and people mocking and laughing and seeing that child suffer. Thoughtfully, Jesus said to his mother, I'm going to give you to the care of John the beloved apostle. John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Even in a moment of his own suffering, he still thought of others. That's why the gospel is a personal gospel. That's why you and I can take comfort in the fact that God knows and understands. And then graciously, another one of his sayings from the cross was to 
The man who had been crucified with him, two of them were criminals. And one of them said to him, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And graciously, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. During this time, the the Jewish leadership was in front of the cross mocking him. If you're the Son of God, come down. Save yourself. Why are you dying like this if you're so great? It was a moment that began that God-forsakenness experience. You know, Jesus could have come down. The Scripture says He could have called 12 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels He could have called to come down to rescue Him. But He did not. Do you know why? For God so loved the world. That's why He didn't. For God so loved you. He was not a martyr. He was not a victim. He willingly gave His life for you and me. That He gave His only begotten Son. And it was in that moment that our Savior began to continue the terrible ordeal of paying the penalty for your sins and for mine. I wonder if you knew that. I wonder if you're aware of all that takes place when you receive forgiveness for your sin. At noontime, a terrible darkness covered the earth. The bright sunshine in Houston these couple of days reminded me as I thought about this, at noontime, the earth turned black. The sun refused to shine. I've said, you know, even the earth was embarrassed that the Son of God, perfect and clean, pure, was being accused as a criminal and being crucified. Jesus hung on a tree, but He made the hill on which He died. What a shame, what an awful experience, but it was required in order that this world, you and me, should have the forgiveness of our sin. That supernatural darkness, however, was but an outward signal, an outward sign of the inner darkness of his soul. We talk about the physical suffering of Jesus. When a man hung on the cross, his lungs began to give out, begin to give out because he can't breathe enough to get oxygen into his body. There's the fever There's the dehydration. There's the pain of the hanging by the nails. There's all that physical pain that we talk about, the Bible speaks of. But that wasn't the greatest pain. The greatest pain was that Jesus realized in that darkness that His heavenly Father, He thought, had abandoned Him. Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever been rejected by people? Maybe a spouse or a child or a job placement or some other relationship? You know the agony, the terrible sense of lostness when somebody doesn't want you. Somebody doesn't need you. Our Savior endured that kind of suffering except no disciples stayed there. 
Nobody stayed there. Even the chief priests and all those who ridiculed him left. And he there hung between heaven and earth and died alone. For you, for me, for the sins of the whole world. And so the creation itself expressed the horror at the death of the Son of God. And no wonder Jesus cried out at the end of his life there, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A sense of lostness. But now it came time for him to die. This is the story. Now it came time for him to die. It was almost three o'clock in the afternoon that it took place, the Bible tells us. But God was waiting to hear a word from his son on the cross before death could come. And it's the grandest word that ever was spoken when Jesus from the cross said, It is finished. In the Old Testament, it was never finished. You had to come back year after year. You had to come to the courtyard and receive forgiveness at the evening sacrifice if you've committed sin. But when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, He finished. He completed. There's nothing you can do except to trust Him. There's nothing you can claim for yourself. There's no way I can stand in good standing before God apart from the fact that Jesus finished redemption for you and for me. That's the story I wanted to tell you. And it's the story for all sinners. You know, the Scripture says in this passage that Christ died one time, not many times like lambs, one time for all people. But I want to remind you, though he died, he was buried, he was raised from the grave triumphant. But before I say that, I want to say to you that the gospel is a gospel of personal pronouns. Sometimes we think Christianity is some kind of institution, some kind of organization. But our Christian faith is the work of God on a personal level for persons like you, where you sit, where you live. For in the book of 1 Peter, the gospel of personal, listen to the personal pronouns in this verse. He himself bore our sins. You hear the personal pronouns? Bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you're healed. You see, the personal relationship that God has for us in Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to sing, I love to tell this story. And I want to tell you, I love to tell this story I've told you today. It's a story that is full of grace and mercy and love is a story of God's desire to bring you and me to life. 
I wonder if there is a sinner here in this room who would want to be forgiven. I wonder if there's a person here who's never trusted the Savior. He died for you. And I want to tell you how to do that. The Scripture says, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You will not have to come to the daily sacrifice to get your sins forgiven. You will be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of every. That if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And to believe in your heart, not an intellectual belief, but to trust, believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That word trust is a heart word, isn't it? It's a word that says when you trust somebody, you feel safe with them. Not only does trusting Jesus make you saved, it makes you safe. Safe from the death of your sins. Saved for life eternal and safe in the arms of Jesus. So this morning, I've told you the story. I've been preaching 63 years. I began to tell this story at a little church called Willow Springs up near Fort Worth. I've told it today, and I'm more grateful for the story today than the first time I've told it. Because I'm hoping that there'll be somebody in this room that when the invitation is given, will come and say, I trust Jesus to be my Savior. As we stand to sing the invitation, we're going to sing the song, I Love to Tell the Story. Will you notice the words and sing it from your heart? As we stand to sing our invitation, will you come? Larry will be here. Staff people will be here to receive you. Make today your day of the story becoming real in your life. Let's sing.